Google sees everything that you search for. Amazon knows everything that you buy. Now that those companies have gotten into the healthcare business, how are healthcare companies going to compete? Hello and welcome to Data Points, the podcast where we talk about all the ways that data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare today. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and joining me on the show today is Carrie Lichen, the head of the healthcare business unit at Yext. Join us as we talk about some of the secret weapons that hospitals and health systems are using today to begin thinking about addressing that new form of potential competition from the likes of Google, Amazon, and other non-traditional competitors. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Carrie, welcome to DataPoint. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. We have had some interesting conversations in the past and have had an opportunity to meet face-to-face, I think, at South by Southwest last year in Austin. Uh, do you know if you're going to be coming again this year? It's on my calendar. I believe I will be there at least for a few days. Excellent. Uh, that would be fun. I am really excited to have this conversation. And you're one of these guests that has a very interesting and uh, somewhat unusual background. I'm wondering, for our listeners' sake, if you would mind giving us a little bit of history uh, to help us uh, contextualize how you came to be where you are today, uh, leading healthcare at Yext. Sure. I'm always happy to talk about uh, this trajectory, I guess. It's interesting because I am the head of healthcare at Yext, and I came into healthcare in an interesting way. In sixth grade, I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. And from that point forward, I said, I'm going to be a doctor. And then when I was in college, I took chemistry and I was stuck in a lab for four hours every week. And I said, I guess I don't really want to be a doctor anymore. I hate this lab stuff. (laughs) So I had to figure out how to get involved in healthcare in a slightly different way. And through a number of different jobs, job opportunities, exposure points uh, within law firms, within lobbying on the Hill, within understanding Medicare and Medicaid, and then eventually getting a master's of public policy at Harvard and focusing on health policy I thought it might actually be interesting to go through healthcare in a slightly different way. And I joined the Google office in the Google Boston office, and I started the healthcare team there. So I came at healthcare from the business side. I grew that team, uh, spent eight and a half years there, and then I moved over to Yext, where I was uh, asked to basically see if healthcare is an opportunity. And for certain, it is in so many different ways. And so I've been able to come to healthcare in a slightly circuitous way. And I also married a doctor. So I at least get the the healthcare from the clinical side as well, just by virtue of dinner table conversations. Absolutely. Having that uh, that audience of one can actually be pretty interesting as a test bed. And I can say, uh, growing up as the, the child of a doctor and a nurse who later became a psychologist, I had similar experiences just sort of growing up uh, with healthcare. Um, can you talk to us a little bit? Because Google has obviously been in the news a lot lately uh, for some of their healthcare initiatives, uh, you know, whether it's a, about Google Cloud and some of their AI solutions uh, or the work that Verily is doing. But 
Google has had some fits and starts in healthcare. And uh, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about some of the work that you were doing while you were there and uh, you know how it led you uh, to, to the work that you're doing today. Sure. Google has had some fits and starts in healthcare. And I think that they've had a lot of issues just when it comes to privacy and HIPAA. And so I was coming at it from the Google perspective on the on the business side, on the marketing side, I would work with marketing teams and help them better understand how to acquire additional patients or additional customers. And yet I also was very involved with the original Google Health team. So I attended my first Tim's conference many, many years ago with the Google Health team. And I got this sense of, oh my goodness, there is so much more healthcare going on at Google than just my little old world in this tiny little Google Boston office that only had about 50 people in it at the time. Mm. But I think the the component of it that is really interesting about Google, and I think that it also extends to all of these other companies who are really starting to get into the space, is that there's a delicate dance that Google is doing. They, they, we used to talk about this all the time when I was at Google because I could, I could access their, the searches that people were making. We had mm-hmm. a tool and we could look at that tool and we could see volume of searches. We could look and see how many clicks people were clicking on different uh, search results. We could look at it from the AdWords perspective and see how much people were paying for those. And Google knows everything. And I don't mean that to be in a scary sense, but Google definitely has a perspective on what people, what's top of mind for people. Mm. We used to say when we would talk to people about just utilizing more Google services, we would say people tell Google things that they wouldn't even tell their best friend. They type into that search bar, everything that's private, everything that's not private, and I think that's the big component of why Google has had such fits and starts. It's just that it's, they're, they're on a tightrope almost. Mm-hmm. If they make one small misstep, that could be a major explosion as it relates to privacy, as it relates to just exposure of, of people and humans. So what I was doing was more on the side of helping to educate organizations on the search behaviors, the patient journey, how mm-hmm. people are searching for healthcare, and how that has changed over the last eight and a half years that I was there. And now that I've moved over to Yex, I continue that conversation. And I think a little bit more now about not just Google, but how patients and consumers are finding information all over the place on multiple devices, including voice devices, but everywhere somebody could be searching for healthcare and just ensuring that that, that search is being fulfilled in the right way. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting concept because, as you say, you know, Google has all this really interesting information about healthcare consumers, but the clients that you're working with in many cases now at hospitals and health systems, they have lots of data about the people that, you know, come in and out of their facilities. Are they worried about what, you know, the information that Google has or that Amazon has? Uh, what, what does that dynamic look like now? That is a fascinating question. I see this. So I've been to almost 300 health systems in the last two and a half years, and I visited with them. We tend to talk mostly to marketing teams and uh, sometimes to the CIO and, and that group. And what I'm not hearing is I'm not hearing much of these organizations looking outward and saying, wow, 
these organizations like Google, like Amazon, like CBS, all of it, like Apple, for example, they're not necessarily looking at them and saying, wow, they have a lot of information about the consumer, the consumer journey, the patient journey, whatever that might be. They know segments, they know what somebody has bought at what time, what they've searched for. They're not looking at that. What they, they are sitting on all of this data internally. These systems are sitting on treasure troves of information. And yet I don't see them making that connection necessarily. So what I do here is I think that our business model is about to be rocked, mm. but I don't necessarily know why or what to do about it. And so they're heavily looking at and they're they're taking a they're they're taking a perspective of what is going on in their individual markets, but they're not necessarily, in my view, taking a look at what kind of data they're sitting on, and then being able to say, "Wow, out of all of this data that I'm sitting on, what can I learn from it? What trends can I derive from it, and how can that inform a different business strategy that might actually make me really competitive with all these other organizations who are now starting to encroach into my space?" Interesting. And are there some examples that you might be able to share of some of the uh, strategies that a, that a hospital or health system might pursue as a result of developing that better customer understanding through their data? So I could see this in a couple of different ways. So organizations are sitting on a lot of different pieces of information, so different data points. They have maybe have claims data, they have search behavior, they have search data, they have uh, website traffic data, they have visit data, they have appointment scheduling data, they have all sorts of data points that they're not necessarily, they're treating those data points in silos. Mm. And yet what they're not necessarily doing is connecting those data points. What I can tell you is within organizations, I often hear that once somebody accesses a system and finds a provider and books an appointment with that provider, nine times out of 10, once that appointment is booked, they can't find that patient at all throughout the system. The data exists within the system, but they can't connect the dot between that patient having made an appointment and any of the next follow-on different appointments or revenue that came from each one until that patient's healthcare situation has been solved. Wow. That is all lost. So if that they is... could just remove the silos and start to connect those data points, they exist like EMR data and record numbers, and then appointment numbers, and then revenue and claims. Data. There's all of this information that is not being connected. And Amazon has it connected and CVS has it connected. Google has it connected. So if they've been able to figure that out, why can't healthcare organizations figure that out? That okay. would make them operate in an entirely different stratosphere. Yeah. Do you, do you have a sense of what some of those obstacles might be? I feel that there might be two obstacles that yeah. come up most particularly. One is the concept of We've never shared this data outside our business unit within the mm. system, and we're not going to. It's just a, this is our mindset. This is how it works. And until maybe there's new leadership who comes in, or until maybe there is someone who develops a relationship with another business unit that builds trust, that information may not necessarily ever get shared. 
I think the other piece is that systems have never really thought of themselves as platforms. So I moved from Google being a more enterprise level advertising driven revenue type concept to an organization at Yext where it, we're a cloud-based platform. I always talk about us being a platform. And I think about healthcare organizations also as now they need to start thinking of themselves as a platform. And historically, technologies that have been integrated into a health system have never been real platforms that talk to one another. And efficiency is now the name of the game. So if you think about it, Epic, Epic has its app orchard, but they charge an arm and a leg in order to integrate with it. And they don't really want that information to be transferred from one platform to another. And then you have these other organizations who are out there who also want to keep their data within a wall. And as long as that continues to be the case within a healthcare organization, that data will never have the freedom to move into one place or another, which will then hinder the opportunity to derive any analytics or value out of where the data is sitting and how we can connect the dots and take a look at it from a macro perspective. Outstanding. And that's actually a good point to uh, take a quick break. But uh, stick around because we're going to be right back with Carrie Lykin from Yext. Hey, everybody. This is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. And we are back. This is the Data Point Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Matthews. And today we're talking with Carrie Lykin from Yext. Carrie, we were talking a little bit uh, before the break about the concept of some of this siloed data that exists within hospitals and health systems. And the fact that it uh, it tends to exist for a single purpose today, um, but really needs to be thought about more broadly in terms of uh, integrating with other data sets and being a little more open to sharing. Um, and one of the things that you had mentioned in our pre-interview was that there is a little bit of a shiny object syndrome uh, in healthcare, especially healthcare technology. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you mean by that. Yes, definitely. There really is a shiny object syndrome. So what I see most recently I've been seeing this in voice and the focus on voice within healthcare and health systems. And when I say that there's this focus on the bright and shiny object, I, I hear this. Every year there's a theme. So one year the theme was CRM. One year the theme was ratings, reviews, and reputation management. This past year was definitely all about voice. And what happens is these organizations take on what the theme of the year is and they start saying, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to work on this. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily have a perspective on a, why is it important? B, what will it do for them and C, how will they activate on it? And if we were to just 
strip this down to the basic form, you know, reputation, ratings, reviews, all of the elements that go around that. And then you think about CRM, the big Mm -hmm. topic a couple of years ago, and you think about voice, if you just strip it all down to the basics, it all has to do with data. So from the ratings and reviews perspective, that is really a focus on, are you collecting information? Are you able to respond in a way that helps future patients in their searches, helps future patients better understand, is this a good doctor, is it not? Is this a good location, is it not? But then are systems really taking that feedback, analyzing it, and then implementing any change from it? And a lot of times I don't see that. I don't see the service recovery necessarily. Now, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but when I'm talking to organizations, it's more about just collecting and responding. Mm. But there's a lot that can be gathered from themes from within that. So there's a lot of data that's pulled in. And then what do you do with that data? On the flip side, the voice perspective is very interesting because everyone wants to build a voice Alexa skill or a global home action. And yet, at the end of the day, people are asking questions of these devices. And we know that a lot of people are asking healthcare-specific questions of these devices. And organizations who want to be able to provide answers aren't yet doing that. Yet they're building a skill, and the skill boils the ocean. The skill doesn't really serve any useful purpose or value. And so the organizations don't really understand. I followed the bright, shiny object, but I don't really understand why is nobody using our skill? Well, because at the end of the day, people are asking the question, they're not getting the answer they need, so then maybe they're going to their mobile device instead. The reason they're not getting the answer they need is because they are not getting the data from the healthcare organization in a way that is structured that can then send it to an Alexa or to Google or to Siri. So everything revolves around the data. And as long as the data, like we were talking about earlier, as long as the data lives in silos and isn't connected to one another, How does an organization know even how to pull it together to then send it to a voice device? Wow. Or provoke a really kind of an interesting aha. Um, And when you think about voice as an example, what you're saying makes complete sense. The only way that voice can be a useful tool is if there is a whole lot of really, really good data that is collected, integrated, uh, and then uh, presented back through the voice unit. Um, the voice, the the voice by itself uh, tends to be kind of dumb. Um, to be honest with you, it's, it's, I think about you know how far uh, Amazon, for example, has outstripped Apple in terms of the the voice interface. Um, and Siri feels very dumb to me uh, at times mm-hmm. compared to Echo. I suppose that's a microcosm of what we see happening inside the health systems, because if the data is not there to respond appropriately, having voice doesn't uh, doesn't do you much good. It's only as good as the data that you're able to send to it. Yeah. So how do you see hospitals and health systems? And I know that this is probably the exception rather than the rule today, but how do you see organizations beginning to to tackle this problem, assuming that they're they're you know, recognizing that it is a problem in the first place? So of those who do recognize that this is a problem, I see some interesting changes take place within the organization. There's a lot of partnering going on within an organization. So I can give two examples. One is Ohio Health and the other is Jefferson Health in Philadelphia. 
they have completely reshaped and reformatted the concept of what it means to have an internal unit within the organization. And a lot of times this data that I'm talking about, this data is meant to be publicly or externally facing. And so that means that it lives in the marketing team. And so what I'm seeing in both of these organizations specifically is that the marketing organization is no longer just a traditional marketing organization where they do many branding campaigns and they run TV ads Mm. and maybe they allocate just a tiny little bit of their budget to digital. But what I'm now seeing is that they're saying our marketing team has to touch the patient or the consumer in many different ways. Not only are they doing it, again, in branding, of course, but then they're allocating a lot of energy, resources, and budget to digital. And on top of that, they're unifying a group that used to take long, 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 long bits of time to get things done. They've brought in developers into the marketing group. So if they need to get something done, the developer is there at the ready to actually get it done or to work on it and brainstorm and think through things differently. And then on the flip side, too, with Jefferson, they've created an an innovation center where you walk into their offices and you feel like you're walking into a Silicon Valley tech business. It is amazing what they're doing. And that is just a unique perspective on healthcare, thinking we are sitting on so much information on so many different platforms, we will have developers on this, but we also need to meet the needs of our patients internally. So they have an Alexa in every single patient room. They have, they have an opportunity to make sure that they're matching the right patient to the right doctor for the right condition. But then they're also working on what's new, innovative, and how do you delight those people who don't yet know they become patients. So they are doing some really unique things too. And it's all about building those internal partnerships and and showing that hey we can work together and if we just open up and unlock those those gates to where the data lives lots of goodness can come from that that is fascinating and it really sounds like a pretty profound cultural shift from what you described earlier uh in terms of you know the data silos that are more typical do do you have a sense, you know, for these organizations, and you listed a, a couple of really good examples, we'll include those in the show notes. Do you, do you have a sense of some of the things that they may have done to facilitate that cultural change? Because um, it, it seems like it could be, you know, it's one thing to say, we need to do this, but it's another to actually be able to implement it. Um, what What drives that? That's a great question. I don't think I have a good answer for that because I would have to say, at least in the Ohio Health example, the leadership came from outside of healthcare. Hmm. So when the person came in and said, wow, I didn't realize healthcare actually works this way. This is not how we did it in retail. So we're going to try to change things. I think he was able to build some really good relationships within his team, within marketing, but then also start to evangelize the value and hearken on his past experiences to be able to do this. I'm not quite sure necessarily how it works in other organizations. I feel like it takes a lot to have support of the leadership. And there are, I talk to these organizations and I talk to the the C-suite quite often, and there are some who are forward thinking, technologically driven, they understand the value of this, and they want to move forward in an innovative way. And then there are others who 
don't really want to pay that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. And there are just other considerations. I, I understand if you're a CEO of a hospital, you have about 10,000 things that are on your, on your plate at any given time. This might not be one of them. Right. But of those who are more forward thinking, they're the ones whose teams are really, really taking this concept and running with it. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, you know, you referenced, I I think you said 300 hospitals and health systems over the last year and a half. Is that, did I get that right? Two and a half years. Yes. That is really amazing. And it, it gives you sort of an unusual perspective uh, in terms of having seen so many different organizations. Um, Do you get the sense that there is a movement afoot uh, in terms of the the way that these organizations are thinking about change and thinking about the kind of collaboration you're talking about, or is it still too soon to tell? Ooh, I think it's still too soon to tell. I see it, but I don't see it in mass yet. So, you know, there are two things that I think about it. I, one of them is there's the movement. Wow, there's going to be a tipping point and, and let's just, we'll be off to the races. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing yet that tipping point. But the other is, I see a lot of dancing. There's a lot of tippy-toe dancing going on where organizations are looking to the, to the CVSs and to the Amazons and to the Googles, and they're trying to fight it. And I think some organizations I'm seeing are saying, is there a way that we can partner and unite with them? And so I think once that starts to happen, then we might actually initiate that tipping point. But health systems are basically like think of them sort of like lemmings like they'll look around and they'll say okay if you jump okay I'll go ahead and jump too and then everyone else will jump but no one is really super excited to be the first one to take that first step it is so interesting over the last few years to see some of the kind of partnerships that have developed you know when you think about Aetna and CVS you think about Mm -hmm. Uh, Humana and Kindred, you think about Uh Cigna and Express Scripts, there are so many companies that are really thinking creatively about transforming the way that they work based on a combination of of skills or expertise. Um, And yet, I wonder, you know, is that um, that long-term going to be what it takes to motivate the the kind of change that we're talking about. I'm musing here, but it's yeah, uh, having your perspective on it is is really it's fascinating. Um are there any of those kind of unique partnerships? We've talked a little bit about Google, we've mentioned Amazon. Anything out there that you see that you find particularly compelling or or worth watching uh because of the nature of the uh, the innovation that's implied? Ooh, I think maybe the CVS Aetna partnership might be worth watching. So mm-hmm. I think some some people might have said Amazon, JP Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway, but what I think that they're doing uh, with with that triple partnership is I I think what they're doing is thinking through how do we best provide care utilizing the employee base that we have, and then mm-hmm. how can we go to the government and then tell them here's the example. Now let's see if we can change. Medicare, Medicaid. I don't know. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily um, tip my hat to that. But I think the CVS Aetna partnership, I think is really, really interesting because what it's doing is it's completely changing a health systems go to market. So what I've seen in healthcare is 
been changing. Everyone's talking about, I need to bring the patient back into the neighborhood. I need to keep the patient out of the hospital. We only want to treat the most complex patients. And we want to make sure that we're pushing the patient out into the neighborhood. And I can tell you from where I live in Boston, I have a CVS across the street from where I live. Uh-huh. And there's also a CVS blocks away from me from where I live. So there is a CVS, at least in these high density areas, pretty much anywhere you need to, to go. You can, I can find two CVSs within five blocks of, us, from, of me. Wow. So what does that look like when I need to figure out my local strategy as a health system? So I, Carrie, might opt to go to a minute clinic because it is super convenient. Yeah. I'm not going to really go to the partner's urgent care, about 10, 15 blocks from where I live. So did partners just lose me as a potential patient? And what will happen as a result of that? If CVS, if Walgreens, if all of these different organizations are now going to be getting far more into this space, then how does this change the health system and how the health system needs to better understand its different consumer segments? I think that's the big one to watch. Yeah, that is so interesting because I think about that, you know, example specifically, it feels as though the health system that's going to be most successful is going to think about how do I incorporate these new care pathways into my overall continuum of care rather Mm -hmm. than say, I'm going to replace them or, you know, compete with them on every aspect of care. Uh, You know, what are, what are some ways that we could incorporate that into our overall model um, in a way that benefits the patient? Fascinating. Yes. And definitely on top of that too, when I talk to marketing teams, marketing teams are always asking about how do I create more loyalty with my patient or my consumer? Mm. And I think, that's not really a consideration anymore. At least, the, I think the older populations and those who have ongoing medical conditions, maybe they're seeking cancer treatment or, or something to that effect, they might be loyal to finding you know, that one organization that is the best or that one doctor who is the best. Mm-hmm. But for everyone else, there is no such thing necessarily as loyalty anymore. It's all about convenience. So can I get the care in the most convenient way possible? And so those systems will have to think very differently about how does CVS play into that that whole marketing play or that whole patient acquisition play? Because for me, across the street is the most convenient. (laughs) It's not the the urgent care that's owned by partners that's a lot further away. So that is not a loyalty play. I'm not loyal. Even though my husband works at MGH, I'm not loyal to MGH. By so, any stretch of the imagination. I just need to find something that's convenient. Well, I think that is a good place to cap us off here, Carrie. This has been uh, a fantastic conversation. I so appreciate your thinking, um, and I know that our listeners will as well. For, for our listeners who want to find out more information about you and the work that you're doing at Yext, what's the best way for them to do that? You can find me on LinkedIn, so Carrie Lichen, L-I-K-E-N. And then for Yext, for healthcare specifically, uh, they could go to yext.com slash healthcare. Fantastic. We will make sure that those uh, are entered into the show notes as well. So uh, you won't have to remember it if you're driving in your car. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. I'm really looking forward to our next conversation and good luck to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Data Point podcast. 
If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.